This is episode 505 with my handsome husband, Nick Broadhurst. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey guys, welcome back to part two of this epic Q&A series celebrating the 500th episode. Well, we're now at 505, but this was to celebrate 500 episodes. And I have brought on Nick Broadhurst, my beautiful husband, to celebrate. And we are answering all of your incredible questions. Now, this is part two because we got so many questions, so many awesome questions from you guys. And if you haven't listened to part one already, go back, listen to that episode number 500. I'll link to it in the show notes for you as well. But go back and listen to that where we answer so many of your questions on relationships. And then we started diving into the topic of health, which is where we're going to pick up today. And we're going to dive into some parenting questions, career, purpose, birth, money, whatever we have time for before our divine little daughter wakes up. Also, I wanted to mention, and I also mentioned this in episode 500, that we have not seen any of these questions, which makes this even more fun and exciting. So literally, this is the first time we are seeing these questions. So let's kick off with the first question. Oh, by the way, welcome to the show. Thanks, darling. (laughs) So the first question, we're going to start with the health category. The first question is, how do you maintain a 5.30 a.m. wake-up time if your baby doesn't sleep? Okay, so I actually get up before 5.30 a.m. I am usually up at about 4.45 most days, and my body naturally wakes up at that time. It just does because I go to bed early and it just wakes up at that time. Now, we haven't used an alarm for, gosh, how many years now? We used to have it in Bondi because we had to close all the curtains to keep out artificial light. And we had this one. It was a Philips sun clock, I think it was. Sun lamp. Sun lamp, yeah. And it would basically come on half an hour before with very gentle red light. And it would just slowly warm up. And instead of having sound, you would have light as your alarm. And that was the most gentle way for us to wake up without totally screwing up your circadian rhythm. So, but that was, yeah, that was five years ago. And so for us, even though, you know, there's some nights where, okay, for example, Bambi, when she was not feeling hundred percent recently, she had a fever. And so, you know, we didn't sleep as much. My body still wakes up at 545. Like I almost wish I could sleep in, but I am just like clockwork for me. I am just, it, yeah. It's just so easy for me to get up at that time because I've just trained my body. Yeah, and I think it depends on the circumstances because if someone listening to this has a child who doesn't sleep consistently, we're very blessed that Bambi's an incredible sleeper. Well, we also did the work. We did the work, yeah. I mean, look, every parent does the work. It just depends on what work you're doing. And some work is more effective at having children actually sleep effectively. And I think we chose what works really well for Bambi and it's been great. Yes. And I think it's really helped her have a very healthy relationship with sleep. And we have really fostered that from day one. We've always spoken about sleep in a very positive, happy and yeah, good light. Excited. And I I think that the most important thing is no matter how much turbulence there may be with a child that may not sleep or a child who's inconsistent, would be for yourself to still try and maintain consistency as much as possible. So maintaining your own rhythms in the day, whether it's like what time you're eating, what time you're meditating, or what time you're going to bed, what time do you get into bed, what time do you you finish eating, all these sorts of things add up to a body that is adjusted naturally to having a healthy circadian rhythm. So the more you can do that, the more chance you're going to give yourself of being able to wake up consistently at a time and feel okay. Now, yes, if your baby's not sleeping very well, 
that's going to be different, but it's still going to help if you have your own rhythm that you maintain. So that's my advice. Mm -hmm. Any other tips for people who want to get into that rhythm of waking up early? Obviously, going to bed earlier is going to help that. But what else? Do you think just being consistent with what times you're eating and what times you're going to bed, that's the best place to start? Yeah. Also, lights. You know, what's, what sort of lights do you have in your house? Are you wearing blue blockers, you know, sunglasses, sorry, blue block glasses at night? All these sorts of things that add up. And it's about making better choices most of the time. So if you can put your glasses on when the lights go on, if you can sit down at dinner at the same time every night, ideally every afternoon, not nighttime, you should really be having dinner. Well, we have dinner at five o'clock and it depends on routines because, you know, someone might be coming home later from work. Kids might be having after school things. So like, obviously it's different for everyone, but try and find a rhythm and try and stick to that rhythm and use these other tools like blue light blocking glasses, like reading in bed with a little Lumi clip or red light clip from Bond Charge, which we'll link to in the show notes. These little things all make a difference, massive difference and not having too much liquids as well. So if you look at that three, two, one general rule, it's stop eating three hours before you're asleep. No screens two hours before, no liquids one hour before. I can't even do one hour before. Like I literally have to stop liquids at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Otherwise I am up to go to the bathroom uh, all night. So that's just me, but you've got to do and find what works for you. And I think it's also really important, like get creative. So for example, if you are working later or if you are traveling and you know you're going to be home later for some reason, you've got afternoon activities, whatever it is, I would plan around it. I would take my dinner and then eat it on the way home if I'm you know, on a bus or a train or whatever. I would eat it there so that by the time I'm home, I'm not having to cook a meal and then eat it, and then it just pushes everything back. So plan ahead. Like if you know that you're not going to be home till eight o'clock, take your dinner, plan ahead. Don't get home at eight o'clock and then eat dinner, if that makes sense. All of these little things really help. And like Nick said, these regular rituals and routines of what time you eat and sticking to that, like sticking to eating at the same time, going to bed at the same time, it really does set up your circadian rhythm. Recently, I've been sort of thinking, oh, there is some behavior that I'm noticing within myself that I don't like, which probably is coming from some sort of imbalance. And maybe it is time to really look at meditating more seriously. So do we find it harder? No, it's not harder. I think it's just priorities have shifted. You will find time for whatever is truly important to you. And you will find excuses for anything else. Well, is that true though? Okay, give me an example. You can find excuses for the most important thing in your life. That's what the whole book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield is written about. Mm. So when okay. something's really important, then you can find the most excuses for that one thing. So I understand what you're saying. I would say not so much important, but if you identify a priority, like meditation, and that priority becomes you know, a real core value for you, then you will find the time for it. Mm. But if something's really important, like writing the song, the book, the art, the whatever it is that you do, you, you can find a million excuses for that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And your inner mean girl will pop up and try and tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. So you need to learn how to master her. Read Mastering Your Mean Girl. Do you both use essential oils in your daily life? Yes. yes. <laughs> Multiple times a day. Even our daughter loves putting lavender. Every night she puts it on her sleep suit. Well, we put it on her sleep suit and it's become a little ritual. That's part of her nighttime routine. We do it at the same time, in the same rhythm every single night, and it's part of her little sleep routine, which is so beautiful. So we use them with her. We're diffusing them. I use tea tree on my pimples, which is amazing. I use lavender every night on my pillow, on my wrists, on my chest. We've got a couple of our favorites that we're constantly using. And then 
yeah, there's some that we use only occasionally. Yeah, I've got a few. Like I make up a face mist blend, which I love, and it's jojoba oil, distilled water, geranium, neroli, and frankincense. And it's awesome. I love that. We also have On Guard, which I always gargle with one or two drops when I brush my teeth at night, especially, just as a little, you know, oral sanitizing process. Before bed, I put magnolia in my beard, I guess, in my in my mustache. And I also put spikenard. This is a new one for me. A drop of spikenard on the bottom of each foot on the soles of my feet. It's a bit of an Indian practice of putting spikenard on the bottom of your feet. And I have found that when I use spikenard on the feet, magnolia under my nose, oh, it definitely shifted. Like I went three nights recently without doing it and I had terrible sleep. So I don't know, maybe it's psychosomatic, but I'm definitely feeling deeper sleep with those two things. And of course, there's the standards like eucalyptus in the washing, peppermint down the toilet when you do a stinky poo. <laughs> you know, there's so many ways that we use it. Peppermint, we use a, we make up a 1% and a 3% hydrogen peroxide for just sterilizing things in the house. Or like when we wipe down the kitchen, we use a 1% hydrogen peroxide, which we make up. With peppermint um, oil. Yeah, we put peppermint oil in that. One of them has tea tree in it, just one drop. We've also got a cleaning spray that is vinegar, water, and I think it's lemon essential oil. So we make all of our own cleaning products around the house using essential oils. They're incredible. And we'll link to our favorite oils in the show notes for you guys. I also am a bit prone sometimes to a bit of athlete's foot, unfortunately, just when I wear shoes too much. It's been since I was a little kid. And so just white vinegar, pure white vinegar with a drop or two drops of clove in a spray bottle is really, really amazing for that. And speaking of clove, my like holy trinity of immunity is clove, oregano, and thyme. So if I'm ever feeling like something's coming on and if I just have a drop of each of those in a tiny amount of water, I just kind of shot it so it doesn't touch my mouth, if that makes sense, because it burns. It just tends to fix a lot of stuff. So that's a bit of a we use them a lot, but mm. we don't think about it. It's just natural. It's just part of our routine. And when we had COVID, we were doing water with grapefruit and lemon, and it was delicious. Try sparkling water and grapefruit. So good. Oh, just delicious. One, one drop in like a big thing of sparkling water is all mm. you need. So good. Before we go to the next question, I know there's a few questions here about what sort of essential oils we use. So we'll just answer that here. We actually use a variety of oils. Mainly doTERRA, but we have Young Living, we have essential oil wizardry, I think, from America. And there's one more I use quite a lot. I'm trying to think what it's called. Oh, it's blanking. It's an Australian one. But we just do research. Where's the quality? You can't get every oil you want in doTERRA. You can't get every oil you want in Young Living. You can't get every oil you want in essential oil wizardry. So I kind of shop around and mix and match and I love it. So good. Oh my gosh. I forgot to mention, I have like seven or eight rolly, like roller bottles that I made up specifically for different things. So I've got like an adrenal blend, a thymus blend, a thyroid blend, an anti-inflammatory blend, a circadian rhythm blend, a focus blend, a circulation blend, a liver gallbladder blend. There you go. And that's why I have so many oils from different companies because they have very specific things in them like, you know, German chamomile or rose geranium, these sorts of things. Okay, next question. What is the most beautiful inner child soothing practice and ritual? I have a beautiful inner child healing meditation, which I, I don't. can... <laughs> I don't have one. I've never done this. I will link to it in the show notes for you guys. It's a beautiful inner child healing meditation that you do. And you have a photo of yourself like at six or whatever age. And you look at that before you close your eyes and do this beautiful meditation. It is heaven. But another thing that I do is whenever I'm triggered, I place my hands over my heart and I stroke my heart. And that is a very, very self-soothing, inner child healing and soothing ritual that I just do where I'm basically stroking my heart 
And I will say, it's okay, you are safe. It's okay, you are safe. Because when we're triggered, we are activated and we go into fight or flight and that causes cortisol in our body. And so calming our nervous system by stroking our heart and saying things like, you are safe, it's okay, can really bring your nervous system back down into parasympathetic. So try those two things. They really work for me. And they're so easy and simple and you can do them anytime. And speaking of parasympathetic and essential oils, here's another blend for you that we use a lot. Five drops of clove, 10 drops of lime in a roller bottle with fractionated coconut oil. And you rub that on your mastoid bone, which is the bone behind your ear. So you can do it behind both ears and it stimulates the vagus nerve, which drops you into parasympathetic. But you can also just do three breaths in, six breaths out, or sorry, like three seconds in, six seconds out as a breath practice. It's a very simple way. Do that three times and your nervous system changes. So, so yeah. Okay. So do you use homeopathy in your family? We absolutely do. And we love it. We use it for ourselves. I used it post-birth. We use them with Bambi. They are incredible. Natural medicine is always where we turn to first. Always. Whenever anything comes up, that is always our first place that we turn to. And homeopathy, naturopathy, <laughs> mother nature, always. It's, it's incredible. And you actually grew up on homeopathics, didn't you? Yeah. So when I was about 10, I had glandular fever and the doctors didn't know what was going on. So they put me on antibiotics like several times and it just screwed me up. And I ended up having an allergic reaction to penicillin and my entire body was covered in welts and red rash. Like when I say entire body, I mean literally my entire body. You couldn't see any skin. And so I was so tired. I couldn't go to school. I was just a write-off. And my mum took me to this homeopath. I think his name was Neil. He was in Narrabeen, I think, in Sydney. And asked me all these questions for like two hours, you know, which is a lot for a 10-year-old. And at the end of it, it was like, right. Mate went into his little apothecary and made up this little blend, gave it to me and said, you know, 10 drops or whatever he said. I kid you not. The minute I took them for the first time, I was better. Literally, the first five or 10 drops, I was better. Went to school, was fine. Wow. And mum and I were like, that wasn't psychosomatic. I was too young to be a hypochondriac at that age, I think. <laughs> yeah, but that's the power of mother nature. It was amazing. So, yeah, we do use it. And we use it with Bambi occasionally when she's you know, teething or you know, anything like that. So... Okay, the next question is, can you talk to us about your chiro, your chiropractic tune-ups, the benefits, your results, and what would you recommend? So for those of you that follow me on Instagram stories, which I hope you do, if not, come and follow me. We go to the chiropractor every month, the whole family, and we get a tune-up. And that is so essential to our holistic health regime. And the benefits, well, for me, it's just, you know, it's very, what is the name of the type of chiropractic work that she does? It's NET and also... Is it somatic? Oh, my goodness. It's on the tip of my tongue. Mm. It's a very gentle form of chiropractic. Yeah, it's, it's not like, way. yeah. There's no neck cracking. Yeah, it's very gentle. I can't even think. I'm so sorry, guys. But yeah, what are the benefits that you feel? I... Don't know exactly, well, okay, if I walk in there, there's some standard checks that she'll do in terms of like rotating your head and these sorts of things. And you notice at the end of a session that, oh, I'm actually turning my head further left and right. So there's things changing in the body, right? I do love when there's some kinesiology done. So if you feel like there's a specific block, like just moving through some of that stuff using kinesiology, I do love that. The benefits, we do so much. I feel like it's just this cumulative effect of constantly tuning your body and your mind. So I don't know if I'd say there's specific benefits because every treatment's different, but we go monthly to Nusa Family Chiropractics and we love it. We also do osteo and I do bioelectric meridian therapy with, with Tracy from Nusa Body Mechanics, which oh, that is just the bee's knees. 
And we'll link to her machine that we have at home that you can also get the machine and do the bioelectric meridian therapy at home, which is amazing. It's insane. So we do that. We do osteo. We do Cairo. Osteo once a month, Cairo once a month. Tracy, when needed, if we've got like an injury or something. It's like a flare-up or like your neck's gone or you hurt your knee or um, I had liver pain for a while for some reason and she just sorted that out. It'd be better if we went consistently. We also do massage. I get massages more than Nick only because my upper back Shoulders and neck are still a little bit sore from carrying a tiny human around (laughs) a lot of the day. So we do that. But I think it's really important that you look into these practices to take care of your beautiful vessel. Cool. All right. Next question. What moisturizer do you use when you're pregnant? I used Biology Organic Rosehip Oil. It's just one ingredient organic rosehip. And I loved that. It was so beautiful. Oh, that's what I used for my face. And then for my body, I just used either organic coconut oil for my body, or I had a very special medicated Ayurvedic body oil, Abhyanga oil, which I'll link to from Vital Veda. That was delicious. I love that. But it's very warming. And so in the warmer months, I would use coconut oil because that's cooling. And in the cooler months, you use the organic black sesame Ayurvedic Abhyanga oils. Yeah, so good, Abhyanga. I should do it so much more than I do. I just find it a bit inconvenient because then I've got oil all over me and I don't want to touch things. I love it. I just find sometimes I don't do it if I'm or if I'm hot, I don't want to do it. Nah. And it's summer right now. And so like, I don't want to rub oil all over me if I'm already hot, but I love it. I do it. It's the best. There is a I mean, it says cream on it, but it's really not a cream. It feels like a, it's almost like a thick, transparent balm of some sort from Wild Nature Australia. And they use aloe in it. So basically, it's organic aloe vera, almond oil, beeswax, coconut oil, vitamin E and B5, French lavender, and chamomile. So it's very clean. And I had a facial recently with a friend of ours, and it's just like, wow, your skin's so hydrated. (laughs) It's the first time. Out of facial, anyone said my skin is hydrated because I'm a surfer and I'm in the ocean every day swimming. And I've been using that for probably four or five months. And I think it's hands down the most effective thing that I've used as a general like barrier, keeps the moisture in the skin. Love that. So that's Wild Nature Australia. So it's called Pure Essential Face and Body Cream. It's so good. And they are the original organic skincare company of Byron Bay. Yeah, been around for a long time. Yeah, really long time. Okay, next question. I require some help for my health, my energy levels, diet, etc. I live in Australia, but looking at Stephen Cabral for guidance compared to going to a local doctor, can you recommend anything local to Australia for cost and convenience that can guide me to better health? I prefer more natural ways of healing. Mm. Well, Dr. Stephen Cabral is our doctor and he is in America and it doesn't take any clients though. And we don't have anyone in Australia that we've, we haven't found a holistic doctor here in Australia. So that's why we've been going to him for what, since 2017 now? 2017, November it was. And yeah, he's been life-changing, completely life-changing. So don't forget though, that he has trained a lot of health coaches. So you can do, and this is where we would recommend you start go to melissaambrosina.com forward slash E-N. That's E for English, N for Nick. Um, And it'll take you to his website. And on that site, there is the big five tests that he recommends. We actually just did them this week, all five, because we're getting ready for baby number two. And we want the data. And I think the most important place to start is there. And make sure those tests are interpreted by someone trained by Stephen, because you can have someone trained differently interpret an organic acid test and then you have Stephen do it and they're totally different interpretations and you could be freaking out from one person and totally cool and relaxed with a plan from the other so very very mindful if you do those big five tests make sure you get someone from um, equilife to read those and he has a certification program called the Integrative Health Practitioner Certification IHP so you can go to melissaambrosini.com forward slash IHP And you can become an integrative health practitioner. So you do his program and you can 
interpret your own tests, which is amazing. So you can basically become your own healer. Yeah, and you don't need to. I think there's different levels. I'm pretty sure there's, there's two different. levels. There's two levels. You can just do it for yourself. You don't need to necessarily be certified because you're not going to practice it. Um, like so you'll you, just do it for you and your family. Which I think is amazing. It's like being able to interpret these tests yourself and put yourself on your own plan that's evidence-based and it's based on actual data is so good. I'm just really mindful of working with, well, doctors specifically because I've never really met a doctor that is truly holistic. I have found the occasional doctor who is, I guess, somewhat holistic, but there's always been a bit of dogma towards one thing, like Western A. Price or something like that. And I love the way that Stephen approaches things because there's no dogma. If you are, well, if you're a carnivore, he'd probably talk to you about that. But if you have certain preferences, he'll work with those preferences, right? So his health coaches are trained in that as well. Our dietary preferences have changed over the years. We are plant-based now. We weren't when we started working with him. And he has never judged us and told us this or told us that. So he's like, cool, let's, let's work with that. Let's, let's make you the best plant-based people you can be. And then there's level two, which you can become certified and actually practice as an integrative health practitioner, health coach, where you can see clients, you can get their tests and decipher the results and put them on a plan, which is amazing. But even if you just want to do it for yourself, become the healer in your home. What an amazing thing to have. It's so good. It's one of the um, most important things I think you can do. All right, let's now move to the parenting category because we have finished all of the incredible health questions that have come through. Let's talk about parenting. How do you approach co-parenting? I'm not sure if this question is like Mm. as in us parenting or as in with Leo's mom. Well, let's answer both. Okay. Let's start with us. Um, we are very aligned, which is awesome. And there's nothing that Melissa does that I wouldn't do. And there's nothing I do that she wouldn't do. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Um, so we're fortunate in that way and we communicate pretty effectively, I think around Bambi. I think, yeah, parenting with you is so good. It's so easy. It's so good. We're so aligned. I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is a breeze. It's a bit different for us because, well, for me, because I learned by parenting the first time around. And I was fortunate that my partner at the time, she also studied it a lot and she was great. And so passed on a lot of information. I didn't do the reading at the time, but well, some of it. But I learned parenting by <laughs> kind of making my own mistakes. So before I had my second child, I was much more prepared. Melissa was very prepared Education-wise, she has a podcast. She gets sent every book under the sun. And so she was super educated leading into giving birth and now obviously has the practical experience and she got to put that to practice and has now put that into a really cohesive program, Holy Mama, which has been incredible. If you haven't come across that, go to holymama.com. That's W-H-O-L-Y-M-A-M-A.com, which has been quite life-changing for a lot of people. And that will be available again soon. So keep an eye out for that on social media. But in terms of co-parenting with Leo's mum, I'll answer it from my perspective first because my perspective is different to yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just speaking about this today with a friend actually, how it was definitely was challenging at the beginning. We're quite different people, different core values, different lifestyles. So there was a lot of clashing there going on for the first few years, I would say probably a lot of it coming from me trying to force Leo's mother to be a certain way. And then I remember we had this massive blow up on the phone, like a big fight. I can literally picture where I was standing at the front of our building in Potts Point. And there was the Rockwell Garden sign. It's funny how your memory imprints these things. And I remember leaning against the wall and feeling the letters of Rockwell Gardens in my back. Mm. I can remember it so clearly, but I was having an absolute blow up with her. And I got off the phone and I was like, oh my God, I get it. That whole conversation was me making her wrong. And so I realized the whole time I was holier than thou and I was making her wrong. Everything she did was wrong. Got to do it my way because I'm right. And I realized, hang on, there's no right or wrong. 
she is who she is. I am who I am. There just is what is. And so I started from that moment. I said, I'm not going to make her wrong again, ever again. And I actually picked the phone up, rang her back after we just hung up on each other. And I apologized. And I said to her, I'm so sorry for making you wrong. I just said it. And from that minute onwards, we changed. Now that meant I had to surrender everything. But that process of surrendering is so much less painful than trying to change someone or try and get them to be a certain way. So we've managed to now co-parent really well. We communicate, I think, pretty effectively. And we're both very flexible. We've been fortunate she's very flexible with, you know, when we have Leo and we don't because we now live very away from Sydney. So yeah, I just respect who she is as a parent, as a person. I know it's different. Yes, diet, lifestyle, all these things are different in that house, but that's not wrong. It's just them. And I just had to accept it and surrender and I do my best when, when he's here with us. Mm. <laughs> and then, oh, how do the, the flip side of that. <laughs> yeah. How do I approach co-parenting? Uh, this is my biggest spiritual assignment. Step-parenting, being a stepmother is one of the hardest things I have been gifted this lifetime. And yeah, it's really challenging. It's very challenging because you want to raise someone the way that it feels true for you, but they're being raised a different way and you just have to let that go and surrender and let it go. So it is a spiritual assignment and it's tricky and I'm still learning. And I think just constantly remembering that he's on his own journey and his own path is helpful, but it is tricky because you are, as a stepmother, you are basically given a child in your home, you act like a mother, yet you don't have all of the mothering rights. So it's confusing. But isn't that the problem, acting like a mother? Yeah. We, well, we've, we've had this conversation totally. for years, right? I think one of your biggest challenges has been to not parent Leo and to remember that that's actually not your role mm. or your responsibility and that just be fun bonus mum. I know. It's so tricky. Like, And our mentor always says, just be the fun friend or like be the fun aunt and don't parent. And I'm like, okay, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it's so tricky because it's just so have, innate within you. You have had periods where you've been able to do it. Yeah. And periods where you haven't. And it just depends as well on what's going on in your life at the time, I think. How much sort of, I guess, load you have, how much you're carrying at the time, how much capacity you have. So yeah, it's it's an ongoing thing. It's it's a it's a day by day thing. And we are certainly not perfect at this. Definitely um, not. It's actually the single biggest challenge in our relationship. Yeah. Not Leo. He's a freaking dream, thank God. 17 and just an angel. Like we don't fight or disagree about anything but this. Well, I don't think we even disagree. It's just that. It's friction. It's so much friction. Yeah. It's a lot. Anyway, we're, we're, <laughs> we're doing our best and we suck a lot of the time and sometimes we're really good, but. And I think, you know, for anyone listening who is a step-parent, try not labeling yourself as the stepmother or the stepfather and be like the fun friend. That when I have done that in those times where I've done it, that has really helped me. And you are my partner. You're not Leo's mum. Yeah. That's different, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so think of yourself as the partner. I'm that child's parent's partner. I'm not that child's parent. I know. It's so tricky. And as a, and as a mother, like it's, it's tricky. It is tricky because the mother is, you know, the engine of the home and it is tricky. And I get so many messages from other people who are in the same situation asking for my advice and for me to write a book about it. And my advice is don't think of yourself as the stepmother. Think of yourself as like this fun friend, this fun aunt or whatever you want to call yourself and play and try and bring the most fun and play to the home. That's the best piece of advice. Because when I do that, it's so much better. It is. Next question, how do you deal with Bambi's tantrums? Is there a program, book, 
or a person that guides you? Interesting question because I don't think she's ever had a tantrum. And I don't want to say this and sound, I don't know, like an ass. I also don't want to jinx it. Touch wood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been fortunate, both my kids. Leo had a handful of meltdowns. And that was because he was overtired. No, well, there was those. No, this is different. He had a he had a few tantrums, maybe three, four tantrums, around the time of me and his mother splitting. Didn't know how to cope with it. And he was very young, he was three and a half. So about four he had a few tantrums, but they passed. So we actually don't know how to answer this question. But do you know anyone or resources, darling? Absolutely. So I've had Lou Harvey Zara on the podcast. She is a trained Steiner educator. She's incredible. She has so many books. She has programs. She has a program called The Terrific Toddler, which I've done, which is amazing. And she talks about tantrums in there. She talks about tantrums in her book. But basically, from what I have read and learned, tantrums are your child's needs not being met. They're trying to communicate something with you. And so if you can tune into your child and see what they're trying to express to you, that is really helpful. Um, I know for Bambi, she can get a little bit like... Yeah, that's true. She might throw food or something. Yeah. And and that's her like telling us she's done, like she's done eating. Or there was one time where she got like a bit antsy and she was tired. She wanted to go to sleep. And so your child doesn't just have a tantrum for no reason. They're not just having a tantrum. There's something that they're trying to communicate. They're tired. They've had enough. They're hot. They're, they're frustrated. It's an emotional release maybe. So tune into your child and see what they're trying to communicate and help their needs get met as quickly and as effectively as possible. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I mean, you could classify tantrum as those moments where Bambi is extra clingy or needy and more whiny, more (laughs) high-pitched. And that has very often come at times when we're not fully present. So true. And we're distracted. So especially if Melissa's like doing something on her phone, even if it's out of sight, if she feels that her mom's not fully there, mm-hmm. she lets you know. Oh, yeah. So yep. it's probably more animated communication than a tantrum, but it's it's the same principle. All right, next question. How did you and Nick manage your first year with a baby? Did you have a nanny, cleaner, a parent? Oh, yeah. So I'm just going to say we are very fortunate that we have our beautiful Tiff. Tiff um, joined us at four months in. That's Bambi's nanny. And um, we looked at this as an investment in Bambi's education as well. So we wanted a French nanny because both of us regretted never having done a language. And we wanted Bambi to naturally learn a language, which has been amazing. And Tiff has become part of our family. She's with us five days a week for four hours a day. And that's split between a bit of housework and also taking care of Bambi just for two hours. And that's that's Melissa's work time. Yeah, and she's become one of our dear, dear friends. Her and her partner are some of our closest friends and we love and adore them. And Bambi just loves her so much. So every night over the dinner table, I say, Bambi, what are three things you're grateful for? And she always says, Nana. Nana's always first. Then she'll say, Tiff. And then she'll, I'll say, and what else? And she'll say, Nana again. And then I'll say, anything else? And she'll say, Tiff. So Nana and Tiff are like her two favorite people. And sometimes other people get mentioned too. Maybe. Sometimes Minnie. She calls Leo, my son, calls him Minnie, which is very funny. So sometimes she'll get, sometimes she'll say Minnie or Mila, who's one of her best friends. And it's so cute. Sometimes Mama or Papa get hmm. a, a mention. Really, but... really Papa. Sometimes. But. Sometimes. But it's really, really sweet. Their relationship is so beautiful. So, yeah, she is a trained childhood educator and it's just invaluable. And, yeah, she was helping also with cleaning and stuff around the house, so cleaning and cooking around the house. So, she, like we said, she comes in the morning and she would do a couple of hours of cleaning, cooking, housework, and then she would take Bambi for two hours and I get two hours of work. And then Nick's mum occasionally comes on a Thursday afternoon once Bambi wakes up from her sleep and she will take her for two hours for a walk. Uh, They go to the park. They have the best time. 
but getting support, not even, not just in the first year, like all the time. Like it takes a village to raise children. So I speak about this so much in Holy Mama. You need support. So whatever that looks like for you, nannies, babysitters, cleaners, swapping with other friends. So you take your friend's kids while they go out on a date and then you swap. There are so many things that you can do. Some cost money, some don't. Get creative, but get support. Totally. Yeah, it's been amazing. She's an angel and we just went away on holiday with her and her partner, which was fun, you know, so we're very close, which is awesome. Okay, next question. What are your thoughts on pacifiers for babies? Firstly, I don't like the word pacifier or dummy. And so I would want to encourage everyone to find a different name. Smarty. Smarties, some people call them, or one of our friends called them a choo-choo. You know, whatever you want, call it whatever you want. Just don't call it a pacifier because we don't want to pacify our babies. And it's not a dummy because we're not dumbing them down. So choose a different word. Now, we had very different thoughts on this two years ago to what we have now. Okay. So a lot of babies either have a pacifier or whatever you want to call it, a choo-choo, or they suck their thumb or they're on the boob 24-7. So there's usually those three options. We chose to not give her a pacifier. I'm just going to call it that to make it simple, but I would never call it that with a child. So we chose not to use a pacifier. And Bambi, from a very young age, she would suck her fingers. She had like one or two fingers in her mouth. And then, I can't remember at what age, she turned to her thumb and she would suck her thumb. Now, we don't want her to continue to suck her thumb because that can change the shape of her palate and it can push her teeth forward. And it already has. Mm -hmm, Slightly. So we have been talking to her about it and we've been talking to her, telling her, why it's important that she doesn't suck her thumb. She only does it when she is going to sleep. She has just recently started doing it more throughout the day, which is not what we wanted. And it's only when she's really tired. It's when she's tired and she just wants to go to sleep. Or when she's holding her comforter, I guess you'd call it, which is just a little koala teddy bear. And when she has him, she always just automatically puts her thumb in. So now when she puts her thumb in, I just tickle her and we make a joke of it. And she knows, like she puts it in and she smiles and looks at me like, oh, (laughs) so she knows. And we just talk to her and we're going to keep talking to her and keep talking to her and keep talking to her about it. In hindsight, you know, so many people gave pacifiers and they're a lot easier to take away. You can't take away a child's thumb. So in hindsight, I'm like, oh, maybe if we did give her a pacifier, would that have been easier to take away? We will never know. But I think next time around, that was, that's probably the path we would take. Mm-hmm. I think so. If the baby is naturally going for two fingers or a thumb, if they're not, then you just keep watching and observing. I wouldn't put it in unless you really felt like it was going to support you with stopping thumb sucking. Don't use it unless you need to would be the advice I've got. And look, it's very natural. Thumb sucking, finger sucking, booby, pacifiers. It's how they soothe. You know, they they get on your booby and they're instantly calm. It's how they soothe themselves. So it's natural, but we obviously don't want this for prolonged years. That's for sure. So just watch it, be aware of it, and... You know, when the time comes, you can remove the pacifier or do what we're doing right now, which is educating her on why we need to not suck our thumb. Okay, moving on to a career question. What do you do when you have deadlines coming out, but you're so stressed to work? (laughs) Oh my God. We nag each other. um, We get annoyed. We close off. We actually behave pretty poorly when we get stressed. Look, it's one of our one of our bad habits, isn't it, in our relationship? You know what? I it is just, a lot. Just, just say yes. It's a lot doing the dance between entrepreneurship and motherhood. It is a lot, and it's awesome. And I wouldn't change a thing, but it's a lot. And so I'm still getting used to doing this dance as elegantly as I possibly can, and not having the same expectations on myself as I did before Bambi came. That's my biggest thing. Not having the same expectations on myself as before. 
yeah, I get that. That's um, important to be gentle to yourself, I think. But <sighs> deadlines, it's interesting. I remember this talk, this keynote talk I saw with Vishen Lakhiani of Mind Valley at Awesomeness Fest in Hawaii. It's the first time I met him. And he said, I don't do deadlines. I was like, okay. He goes, I call that a brawl. What's a bull? He said, it's a bullshit rule. Mm-hmm. I love that. A brawl. <laughs> brawl. And so I love the idea of not having deadlines, but hey, we have a book coming out, which is the next question actually. And there's actually a deadline. <laughs> so From a publisher. So Yeah, like what do you do? We've got multiple publishers and in what do you do? You know, so I don't know. I think if you cannot have a deadline and you can just do it with ease and it'll be done when it's done. That's the ultimate way, as long as you don't make excuses and push it out to some crazy time frame. But what do we do when we have deadlines coming out and we're really stressed? For me, I if I go for a swim or a surf, it changes my state instantly. So if I can just do those things, like way more than working out or anything else, if I get in the ocean, that's my thing. So as long as I can still get some time in nature, like last week I was an absolute jerkaroonie to Melissa. I was just so stressed because we had so much to do and it was too much for one person. It was just too much for me to handle. And I was just being a jerk. And I remember just one day going, I've got to go for a swim. I've just got to go. I went for a swim. I came back. I was a different person. So find the things that really help you change your state and then come back and just try and approach things with a sense of calm and that trust that it'll get done. Like it's going to get done. The world's not going to end. You've got a roof over your head. You've got food on your table. It's all good. Let's not blow things out. I also think it's really important to acknowledge false urgencies. You know, I think we can get so stressed with things like emails and all of those things, but just remember that like, they have false urgencies that we're putting on ourselves, but there are like actual deadlines, like we said, with publishing our book that we have to meet and everything else. Just like go easy on yourself. Go easy on yourself. Treat yourself how you would treat your children, you know, like go easy on them and go easy on yourself. Yeah, which leads us to the next question. When can I get my hands on your new book? Yes, and we are so excited about this. This is our first book together. Now, you say April 5, I say April 4. We have to clarify this. Okay. It's one of those days, guys. It's April 4 or April 5. Time magic. Reclaim your time. Reclaim your life. Guys, it is so good. It is so, so good. You can go to timemagic.me and get an epic free audio masterclass on how successful people start their day. It is so good. It's over two hours of some of the best people in the world thought leaders, experts on how they start their day. It's so fascinating. And we put that together for you for free. You go to timemagic.me, you enter your name, your email, and just the order number of, of your book. And we'll send that to you for free, as well as a full resource guide of all the resources from the book, all the latest apps and supplements and all the things that we mentioned, all the great stuff up to date. So head to timemagic.me and grab that for free today with your copy of the book. It's Awesome, guys. It's so exciting. Okay, we're going to do rapid fire because we have about seven minutes, darling. So you ready to rapid fire? Let's do it, babes. Birth. Is there one thing that you wish someone would have told you about motherhood or birth before? Mm-hmm. Okay. So about birth, I wish someone would have told me. Yeah, there was one thing you wish you knew during the birth process. What was it? Well, there was two things. Not that I wish I knew. I already knew this, but I just didn't do it. And that was using the TENS machine and using my breath and talking to Bambi more. So they were like my takeaways from this birth. Not I already knew those things, but I forgot about them in the what, birth. What about getting into the bath later? And we're still divided on this because when she got in, she was eight centimeters which and it felt, I, it, I felt ready to get in the bath. Yeah, and we'll link to the episode where we speak about Bambi's birth. Um, but Bambi was essentially doing yoga and was stuck. <laughs> so we still had a beautiful home birth. It was amazing. Um, so maybe not that. We don't know. But I think next time we'll definitely hold back the bath until like, oh, it's game time. Like we're, yes. we're on. Let's like just, crowning. Let's just, yeah, like let's just use that to be a bit more comfortable. Totally. As opposed to let's use that to bring the baby out. It's like, let's just make that 
the last thing. Totally, totally. So, I mean, they, I knew all of those things, but um, so I, yeah, I just didn't use some of those tools like the TENS machine in the birth and I would have used my breath more if I had have remembered, but I was so in it and I would have talked to Bambi more during the whole process. And then what I wish someone would have told me about motherhood. Is that you're awesome at it? Oh, thanks. <laughs> See that? I just earned 50 points, guys. No, you earned like 5,000. That was huge. And then like, okay, I've organized the entire demolishing building of our house, design everything. One point. Two, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I wish someone had have told me about motherhood. Um, How great. Like, you hear it's good. No, I knew it was going to yeah, be good. I did, knew but it was going to be good. You didn't know it was going to be this good. You didn't know you would love her as much as this. Yeah, okay. Well, you, you don't have the, that you don't know that feeling because you've never had that feeling before. So I guess I I don't know. I think as well like okay. Another way to answer this question, what would you do differently next time? Try not to stress and worry so much. Exactly. So that's something that you wish someone told you is first baby, try not to stress and worry so much. But it's your first baby and you just do. Like yesterday we went to a friend's house. And they have an ozone pool, so it's super clean. First time we've ever swum in a pool. I literally, first time I've swum in a pool since I was a teenager. And Bambi never swims in pools because they're all chlorinated and gross. And so we're swimming in our friend's pool and she doesn't have a floaty on. And she's running on the side of the pool. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like she could slip and just fully smash her head on the edge. Like, that's what I'm thinking. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm now that person that worries. Like your parents, your parents used to always do that to us. You're, you're, and they would vocalize it. Like Nick's parents would always be like, okay, well, you've got to be careful when you travel here. And, and I'm like, don't worry about us. Like we're fine. But now I'm like, oh, I'm that person that worries. So yeah, I guess I wish someone had have told me, just don't worry just and stress so much. Next question, will Nick do any preconception cleansing with you as well? Well, I'll answer this first and then you can answer the next bit. Yes, so we just did these big five tests from Stephen Cabral, melissaramacini.com forward slash E-N, E for English, N for Nick. And that will take you to the website where you can order the big five tests. And we'll get the data and we'll optimize. Now, I've got a trip coming up to Europe. I anticipate gluten, gelato, and a few different things. Please don't do it. <laughs> and so I'm going to optimize and probably undo it all just when we're wanting to have... No, don't do that. Well, I'm going to be in Italy and pos- Who possibly... Gelato is not even that and good. And possibly Morocco as well. So Gelato like- is not even that good. I'm one of those people that like... Give or take, I could never have ice cream or gelato ever again. Okay, but pizza? Come on. No, it's not I'm going to be, pizza's my favorite food. I'm going to be in Italy. Now, of course, there'll be no cheese on it, but. (sighs) Please don't do it. For the health of our future (laughs) child, please do not do it. But guys, no, you are your own sovereign being. Do whatever you want. We'll just do another three-month cleanse when you get back. Do what you want, but don't do it. (laughs) But yes, Nick will, of course, do all of the preconception cleansing. I speak about this in Holy Mama. I talk exactly about what we will do in those three months leading up to conceiving. We will both do the tests. We will both do a cleanse, get our bodies, mind, and soul into the best physical shape we possibly can before we conceive. It is in, it is so important. And I talk all about this in Holy Mama. Yeah, holymama.com. That's W-H-O-L-Y mama, M-A-M-A.com. And it's linked in the show notes. One thing I'll say is that if you go to melissaambrosini.com forward slash C-B-O, it will link to Stephen Cabral's Equilibrium Nutrition Candida and Bacterial Overgrowth Protocol, which has been an absolute staple for us. Now, I get a lot of questions on Instagram and DMs about gut health because I used to have, well, I still have a podcast, but I don't update it regularly. But I did quite a few episodes on gut health and my journey. And I always say, look, if you're not going to do the big five tests or the organic acid test, at a minimum, do the organic acid test. If you're not going to do it, just do the CBO protocol. If you're having challenges with gut health, honestly, it's such an amazing place to start. So I would say I'm 95% certain that we'll probably both do CBO protocol. Uh, I know that I 
most definitely will. Even if Stephen said probably not necessary, I'd probably just do it anyway because yeah. it's it's just such a good cleanup. And other than that, I'm going to go back into using infrared saunas a bit because we sold ours with our house, so we haven't got one at the moment. So infrared saunas will be a key part of me, you know, just making sure that anything a bit nasty in the cells gets squeezed out and anything else that Stephen recommends. So, yes. Okay, next question. I've just found out that I'm pregnant. What's your biggest tip or piece of advice for the next nine months? Technically 10, really, but yeah, nine months. Come and join Holy Mama. <laughs> oh, my God. You have to join Holy Mama. Like, I helped put this program together with Melissa. In terms of, like, the actual, like, you didn't write the, stru- the content. No, the structure. <laughs> that sounded the like you wrote the content. The tech. The tech. The back and end. So I had to see all the content and it's... You saw all the masterclasses. Amazing, guys. It's amazing. So first, do that. Second, tip. What's one tip, darling? Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Connect with your baby. Meditate every day with your hands on your belly. Talk to your baby. Write your baby letters. Connect. Love on your baby. Love on yourself so much. Oil your whole body. Just up your self-care. Love your baby. Love your body. The more oxytocin that you have in your body, the better. Have lots and lots of sexy time dance, do whatever releases oxytocin in your body. Do that as much as possible. Okay. We literally have two minutes here, so I'm going to go through these quickly. Um, These relate to money. Navigating crypto volatility currently. How are we navigating that? Well, we have a portfolio. There are a bunch of coins in there, which I believe in long-term and a bunch of stuff that's pretty junky, which I kind of got left with but I liquidated most of those ones anyway. So what are we doing? I am just watching closely for what I think may happen, which would be one more capitulation, pushing Bitcoin down into the sort of low teens. And if that happens, I will be buying as much Bitcoin as I can possibly muster up to purchase, which may not be a lot because we're building a new house. So sitting on the sidelines, watching the portfolio, watching the macro sort of stories play out, waiting for that opportunity. When fear is high, best time to buy. Don't forget that. It's really hard to do in the moment, but when fear is high, it's the best time to buy. So if you're looking to get in or you're already in it, just remember guys, the fear is very high at the moment. It's a little bit higher, a little bit lower than it was recently. So I'd like to see that fear index go high before I buy anything. Current investments, look, our main investment at the moment really is the home that we're about to build because of the location we kind of can build whatever we want to build because it's a great location. So we're kind of putting as much into that as we possibly can as our major investment. And then we will access that as you know a means of accessing more money down the track. So that's our main investment outside of crypto. And the last question's similar to the first one here. How have you handled the crypto downturn? Well, I've spoken about this before already on Melissa's show, how we were caught up in the anchor protocol fiasco where we had a lot of our savings and um, that was hacked by some greedy Wall Street firm. And I'm sure karma will get you guys who did that because you wiped out a lot of mum and pop investors, which was a real lowball thing to do. And we were one of those, but you know, money is energy, guys. And if you want to create more of it, you just have to get proactive in creating more of it. So I know that's overly simplistic. I think crypto is the most incredible opportunity for wealth creation. I'm a massive believer in it. We are in that cycle of fear at the moment. And I personally hope that gets a lot lower. But um, the volatility in crypto is how you make money. So you can't be afraid of it. If you can't handle the volatility, don't get into crypto because that is the opportunity. Um, Anyway, that was the last question. Wow. Celebrating 500 episodes. Well, now this is past 500 episodes. This is episode 507. So thank you again so much, guys, for being here. I absolutely love doing these Q&A episodes. So thank you for sending in your questions. Thank you for listening. And if you 
haven't left a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, I'd be so grateful if you could jump over and do that now. If you have listened to any of my episodes and loved them, please jump over there and do that. And thank you, Nick Broadhurst, for celebrating 500 episodes with me today. It's been so fun. My pleasure. And don't forget, go to timemagic.me. The most important thing today in the world is to go to timemagic.me and grab your copy of Time Magic. You will not regret it, guys. It is life-changing information. Definitely. So thank you so much for being here. Please come and connect with us on social media. Tell us what you got out of this episode. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so, 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 so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, healthiest, and happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You guys rock. Now, if there is someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is is liberating, (laughs) and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Thanks, babe. We love you guys.